Well, it's good to be here. I bring you greetings this evening in Jesus' name. Jesus is the well of living water. Uh, in John chapter 4, we have the Samaritan woman meeting Jesus there at the well. And they engage in some conversation, but Jesus answered her and said, Whoso drinketh of this water, uh, the water uh, drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But that water shall be in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. What a blessed privilege this evening, you know. And this, this, this woman's response was, Lord, give me this water. And Jesus was willing to give that water. There is water available to the thirsty soul. And that's why I'm here this evening. God is excited to give his children that living water. However, there was some things that were still hindering in her life that were not allowing her to drink of that water. The first thing we find with her is that her perceptions were wrong. Her perceptions were around the flesh. He said, oh, great. That way I don't have to carry buckets anymore. You know, that was, that was, looked like that would have really been something special. But we find that Jesus uh, reminded her that there was things in her life that she needed to deal with. There was a life that needed to be cleansed from sin. And then that living water was hers to drink be satisfied to refresh that's really how it is with us this evening Jesus has that living water but you know we need to meet the conditions to drink freely of that water that we can be fully satisfied fully renewed by way of personal introduction it's good to be back with you and I'll say back because I do see some familiar faces here I got to see a lot of people that are not familiar to me, but I'm looking forward to getting familiar with you as we go throughout the week. There's many strange faces, but I trust that we are one family in the Lord. And so this brings us to the time of a series of meetings like this where uh, suddenly there's some questions that you're wondering. There's things that you know, come to your mind. You weren't quite sure uh, who this was that was coming, and now you can look at me, and I can look at you, and and kind of establish, you know, who I'll be ministering to this week. Uh, I'm glad to have my wife with me this evening of 44 years. Uh, we've been married, my wife Grace, and the Lord has blessed us with seven children, plus one. And I always do that plus one, and people uh, never sure to say we, you know, if we have seven or if we have eight, because there was a young man out of inner city Philadelphia that came and spent five years living in our home until he got married and moved out, and he's still part of our family, very much a part of our family. So we have seven children plus the the son, the the yeah, Qualmain, who lived with us for those years. And we have been blessed with 34 grandchildren. And just a few weeks ago, we were blessed with our first great-grandchild. And so we are a blessed people. 
uh, to fulfill the commandment in the Jesus that the Lord gives in the book of Ephesians to work with our hands, that thing which is good. I have worked in the poultry and swine equipment and building industry for most of my life, all of my working years actually, except one year I decided that I might like to drive truck, and I did like to drive truck, and I would have soon found that very deeply and rooted in my system, but I was dating a young lady who was later to become my wife, and she thought it was a little risky to marry a truck driver. So I, I went back into uh, the poultry equipment industry, and for the last 34 years, I've worked for Zeiss Equipment. And, uh, and more importantly, I come to you this evening as a servant the Lord Jesus Christ. It's my desire to simply be a faithful servant of Christ, a vessel that God can use for his honor, for his glory. And I, you know, if there's any good that is, is gleaned from this week, it's, it's not because of the servant, but because of what the Lord has done in my life through the years his redemption and his working with me, his long-suffering many times where my heart was, was wanting to draw back and yet that stirring on. And so to him be the glory. As I express my feelings here this evening, I think just uh, in preparation here, I came across Romans 1, verses 11 and 12, which um, describes my feelings as I think about this week of meetings and uh, Romans 1 verses 11 and 12 says for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both you and me and I think that is my heart's desire it's my desire to be here that uh, you could be blessed this week in the things of the Lord that we could draw closer and we think a revival, you know, a revival uh, is a time of stirring up, a time of renewing. And I, I don't know why it is, but, you know, we as humans are leaking vessels. You know, we, we get revived, we get refreshed, and, and life has a way of bringing us into the humdrum of life. And some of the excitement, some of the fervor uh, wears off. But our prayer, my prayer is, is that we could grow together in the faith this week, not only you, but I myself in my own life to be refreshed and revived in the things of the Lord. I do request your prayers as I go from day to day that I may be sensitive to what the Lord wants me to share night after night. This evening, the title of the message is Preparing the Heart for Revival. You know, if, if the heart is closed and the heart is cold towards God, uh, it doesn't matter what is preached, it doesn't matter what is said, you know, it just kind of flows off and doesn't bring forth any fruit. And so, you know, we, we have revival meetings to, again, stir up and to uh, be refreshed in a time of the Lord, or a time of a fellowship with the Lord and so I think back over the years you know there's a lot of fervor in some of the revival meetings of the past especially in the early days of the 
uh, revival meetings in the Mennonite Church, and I come from the Park Street congregation, which is in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Uh, but in 1912, I think it was, I didn't look back in that number, but in 1912, there was a revival meeting. Noah Mack would have been the evangelist who was a Lancaster Conference bishop back at that time. He held meetings in Elizabethtown Mennonite Church, and the meetings went on for three weeks. And I forget how many public responses, but there's a story given of some young men from Blue Ball area decided to travel to these revival meetings that were taken, taking place. And they started at 7.30 in the evening. And uh, these young men arrived off the trolley car in Elizabethtown at six o'clock in the evening. And they thought they should go get something to eat before they go to church. But they decided against it. And when they got to church, they said standing room was at a premium. Well, that was the fervor of revivals in the past. And yet I realize that, you know, sometimes with revival meeting, there's, there's a lot of play with emotion. And, and, and you know, as I, as I share this evening, it's, it's not about emotion, but it's about that firm commitment that's saying, yes, Lord, I will. Yes, Lord, I will. I will let you have free course in my life. I will let you have the preeminence in all things. And so these meetings become stepping stones year after year. It's, it's a place of anchoring and driving a stake and, and moving on uh, to serve God more and more, that we be established in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, as Jude uh, speaks of it. This evening, as we... Think of preparing the heart for revival. There's three things I would like to think about. First is, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Who is the Lord? Uh, who is God? Uh, we'll look at that briefly. Then the second question that goes with that after we ponder who is God, uh, what is man? that thou art mindful of him. Who am I? Who am I that God cared about me? And then the third point comes to, to our personal response where God calls us to break up the fallow ground. Break up the fallow ground so not among the thorns. But God wants a heart that we have prepared and God puts a a, uh, a responsibility on each one of us here this evening. So as we think of the first point this evening, you may turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 5. That is where the phrase is taken from in verse 2. As we think of the setting here uh, in chapter 5, Exodus chapter 5 verse 1, it says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice, and let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, 
three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. You know, we look at the setting here. We have Moses and Aaron, by the command of God, going in and standing before Pharaoh, and his plead is that he is to let God's people, Israel, go to worship. God had just prior to this met with Moses there in the mountain at the burning bush, and he finally, uh, after the dialogue there, Moses comes to grips with who God is, and he is willing to go back and to be the one that stands before Pharaoh and lets God's request be known to Pharaoh. And so his, his request is that they let Israel go to worship the Lord. But when Pharaoh hears this request, he simply says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Or the other question is, is why should I obey God? After all, Pharaoh, he was a superpower of the world, of the, of the then known world. He was, he was one of the most powerful men in the world. And what he forgot is that he was in that position because God had allowed him to be there. And, and you know, the reason that Egypt was the most uh, wealthy nation in the world was because God had sent a servant to Egypt 400 years before and preserved Egypt during a time of famine where they became the bread source of the world. And so we have, we have God building up Egypt. Now we have a man that seemingly has everything he wants. He has life going well for him. And he is smug and content in who he is and what he has. And he simply says, who is the Lord? Well, we know as we follow that story through, he learned who the Lord was. But, you know, he continued to rebel and to lift up his heart against God. You know, I think Pharaoh questioned that because he didn't want to know who God was. And yet all the, all the opportunities were there. Because, like I said, 400 years earlier, and it's, it's not hard to pass history down for 400 years. Uh, he would have had the opportunity to know. He would, have, he would have known about the famine and how a man named Joseph was, was sent by God to, uh, in a very miraculous way, it was a, it was a way that was, was uh, very difficult for Joseph. But yet Joseph processed them hardships of life in a way that God could use him to go to Egypt and to minister to the king and help Egypt to become prepared for the seven years of famine that were coming on the world and to sustain life. God, was, God had blessed them and he had access to that, but you know, he, didn't, he didn't seem to appreciate the fact that he was being called upon to surrender his heart and life to God. He had, uh, you know, as we think of, of, you know, God has not left man 
throughout the ages without his witness. You know, Moses would, or uh, Pharaoh would also had the, had the, had the witness of creation. And he had the witness of Moses in his own generation. He would have known the story very likely of Moses growing up. And there's, there's something here, there's a point to ponder, and that is as Moses stood before Pharaoh saying that God of Israel, the Lord God Almighty, is asking you to leave Israel go. Moses could have been the very king sitting on Pharaoh's throne. Pharaoh's daughter chose Moses, or she, her, part of her desire uh, to have Moses, she was, she was the oldest daughter, and she had, uh, but she had no heir to the throne. It needed, she needed to have a son, and her son would have been the one to sit on the throne. And so Moses was in line to be the next Pharaoh of Israel. However, we find if we look at the book of Hebrews, Pharaoh was not, or uh, Moses did not accept that position because he had chosen rather to suffer the afflictions of the children of God. Uh, it says when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, suffering, uh, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And so now we have this man, Pharaoh, uh, standing and snubbing at God and, and pretending that, you know, God does not have to be revered or given his rightful place. And yet, you know, today we live in a world that that same attitude is all around us. Who is God? And we could go, I'm going to read just a few verses from Hebrews, and we see the results of that questioning of who God is. But uh, God says in, he, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who hold truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed us, showed it unto us, unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And we see the, gener uh, the degenerating of, of man and his behavior uh, in defiance against God. And it comes to the place, if we follow down through Romans 1, it comes to the place where it says, even as they did not uh, like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are unthinkable. And really, that's the society you and I live in today. There's a people who have rejected the truth and the revelation of who God is. Uh, and so God reveals himself to man. God, God makes a revelation of himself. 
Uh, today, we live in a world who are, is questioning who God is. Are we, are we convinced and persuaded in our own mind of who God is? And are we willing to give him the rightful place he deserves in our life? Or are we at times a little like Pharaoh? Well, hath God really said, does God, who is God? And you know, I don't think any of us are that bold that we would say that. But we come a little more like Eve and say, hath God said? Now, did God really mean what he says? And we hear that in the world of Christian, professed Christendom today. Uh, does God really mean what he says? Uh, I, I could give some examples of that, but I, I need to keep moving on here this evening. Do we give him his rightful place? Another example of a man who didn't like to retain God in his knowledge. And, you know, the evidence of God was there in Daniel 5, uh, verse 23, referring to Belshazzar, who was a grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it says, but thou, and this is the night that the Median, the, the, the Medes, that Darius the Mede was going to enter the city of Babylon. They had uh, cut a channel between the Tigris and the Euphrates River and, and stopped the flow of the Euphrates that came through the city of Babylon. And they dropped the water level low enough that they could walk in and capture the city. But that very night, Belshazzar was having a great party. Uh, he, was, he was celebrating his ascension to the throne of Babylon. And it says uh, in Daniel chapter 5, verse 23, it says, But thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. Uh, maybe I'll just back up a little bit while that party was going on is when the hand of God came and wrote upon the plaster of the wall with the finger and he was greatly troubled and he calls Daniel in and says what is the message on the wall and Daniel gave him the message but he goes on to tell him he says but thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee and thou and thy lords thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold and brass and iron and wood and stone which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. You know, the point I'd like to make there is the fact that God does give. God in his almighty power, uh, he is our creator, and yet he allows us as created to choose whether we will serve him or not. You know, God is a God whose love is extended out to those that will seek him. Those that will seek him will be found of him. The Bible tells us that. But, you know, the man, God does give man the power of choice. And, you know, that makes the difference. Man may choose to reject God, but that does not. Uh, change who God is. God is still the Almighty. You know, we look there in Genesis uh, as, as God met with Moses there in the wilderness and asked him to go back and to speak to Pharaoh and to the people of Israel. 
the, the children of Israel there in the land of Egypt, uh, he says, who shall I say that sent me? And God simply said, I am that I am. The all-sufficient, the almighty, the God who earth does not contain enough of words to describe his being and his character and his, the magnitude of his greatness. He simply says, I am who I am. The one who is extended beyond name or description. We look in the Old Testament, we find various names for God, Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah, Emmanuel. Those are all names that are descriptive of the nature of God, but names fail to describe his character. He simply says, I am who I am. No, that is our God. Uh, his attributes of omnipotence, all power, all knowing, everywhere present. Uh, he is the eternal God. Uh, Psalms 41.13 says, From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. Hebrews 1.10-12 says, And thou in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They shall wax old as doth a garment, as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. This is the God that we are called to serve. The God we are called to reverence. Uh, we find that he is a holy God. That word holy means that he is set apart from all others. We look at uh, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. We have the seraphims of heaven surrounding his throne saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so much higher are his ways and man's ways. And we are called to worship him, to reverence him. God calls us to be partakers of his holiness. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, that we're not to fashion ourselves according to our former lusts and our ignorance, but as he which hath called us is holy, so be ye holy. For it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. God is calling us to a life of reverence and holiness before him. God is the righteous God. Revelation 16, 7 says, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. The righteous judge, again, allows man to choose, to know, or to reject. Pharaoh's obstinance against God uh, continued until God was finally bringing the waters of the, of the Red Sea down around him and his men. God is ultimately in control. He is full of power uh, to the ungodly, uh, he is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12:29 says to the godly, to the ungodly, God is a consuming fire. You know, but to those that reverence him, he is a God of redemption. Hallelujah. That is a God we are called to serve. When we talk about God, God's name, his person, needs to be held in reverence by his people. Today, that casual view, that so what, 
Who cares? Who is he? Who are you to tell me? That kind of attitude cannot stand before a holy God. But the penitent heart, those that reverence him, those that know him, those that seek to know him, to him he is the God of redemption. We look at God, that's only brief. But the second point this morning, or this evening is, who is man that God is mindful of him? Who is man? If we go to, uh, we find that question being asked, what is man that thou art mindful of him? We find that in Hebrews chapter 2, that question is asked. And in Psalms 8, he brings out that same question. And I'd like to read Psalms 8. I think I'll read the whole psalm and just catch a glimpse of that question and that answer that is here. It talks in verse 1. It says, our, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, and thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. And I, I know for myself there's something that is just beyond words of description to go out especially in a place that we're not affected with artificial light at night and to behold the heavens on a clear night, uh, the, the stars, the work of God. Uh, it, it says again, it declares his, his greatness. And when we think about all that that he has ordained, uh, verse four says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and crowned him with glory and honor, and madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. Or, o Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And so we have this almighty God, the God who is a creator, uh, and yet he created man. And I could look back in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 27, and then uh, verse 28, and chapter 3, 7, 18 to 24, it talks about the details that God had as he made man. You know, God's heart loves man. You know, we, we find that God in the creating of the great multitudes of the heavens, God spoke them into existence. He created the earth with the word of his mouth. He created the animal kingdom and the fowls of the air with the breath of his mouth. But it says he said, let us create man in our image. God created us in his image to have dominion over the creation that he had created. And we find that God created man in his own image from the dust of the ground. This holy, this awesome, almighty God. 
created the beauty and the glory of the earth. And I believe the earth could have continued in its fullness of glory as God had created it had he not created man. Because it was man through sin that brought a curse upon the earth. But God created man. I can kind of get the picture there from Hebrews that God in his great mighty power kneeling down to the dust of the earth and shaping man and the more as I get older and older the more I marvel at the detail of God's creation in the human body you get that figured out when little pieces of it here and there start to fail and don't work like they used to uh, you, you have an appreciation for that that meticulous detail that God created. And then it says that God breathed into man the breath of life. There was a spirit of God entered into man. And it said man became a living soul, not just a living body, but he became a living soul, a person who could think, could choose, could communicate, had the ability, had the ability to feel the whole spectrum of emotion uh, he had the ability to relate and communicate as none of the other animal kingdom or any of the other creation. God set him over the works, a person that could think and choose. Uh, God created man to have relationship and fellowship with he himself as their creator. God in his ultimate love for the creation uh, for us created man and it is the God of redemption that continues to, to, to bring men into his presence we look at sin you know sin entered the world because of man's choice to disobey this holy God and yet we look there in Genesis chapter 3 you know when man sins God in his holiness cannot be in the presence of sin. But God, again, provides, we see there in Genesis 3, the, the, uh, the fact that God, when man sinned, uh, he was there with the plan of redemption, the shedding of blood of the, the animals that he slew, and he made coats for man to cover his nakedness. The awesome love of God for us. That plan of redemption, that, that trail of blood goes down through the animal sacrificial system of the Old Testament. And it comes to its fulfillment when, we, when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Why did he do that? Who am I that God would love me so? And that's a bigger question this evening. We know that God's love goes out to humanity. He loves the masses. His heart is burdened for the lost. Uh, and yet in his holiness, he cannot stand to be in the presence of sin. Sin needs to be cleansed. Sin needs to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, that perfect blood. God was willing to send his son this holy righteous, all-powerful, omnipotent God 
loves man, humanity. And so the bigger question comes down is who am I? Who am I? We look at man, uh, seven billion people in the world today, but you know, God knows everyone. God knows you. Uh, in Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5, God says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee and called thee and ordained thee to be, how does it say there, to be a witness to the nations, is putting it in my own words. It's not the exact words. And you know, that is the same for each one of us here this evening. Before we were formed in the belly, God knew us. God knew us. And you know, God knew which belly he was going to put us in for his purposes, for his glory. God has created us and he has allowed us to be placed here in a sin, a world that is cursed by sin. We come out of, many of us come out of good homes, some not so good possibly, but you know, God knows them circumstances and God created us that he might manifest his glory in each one of our lives here this evening. Who am I that the Lord should live and die for? In a world of fear and turmoil, who am I? We need to answer that question this evening. You know, we are created in the image of God. God wants a relationship with each one of us. He wants us to be, allow him to have free course in each of our lives. That brings me to the last point, and that is the idea of personal preparation. You know, if we're going to allow God to have control of our lives, there's those things in our life that we have to be willing to let go of. There's those issues of life that we need to deal with. And uh, in Jeremiah 4, I'm just going to read a few verses there. Jeremiah 4, he looks to Israel. Israel was a, a nation of people who had backslidden. They had turned away from God. They, they had rejected him. Their hearts were elsewhere. Their hearts were in serving idols. Uh, verse 4 he says if or chapter 4 verse 1 he said if thou wilt return O Israel and God's heart was pleading for Israel to return uh, he said return unto me and if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of thy sight then shalt thou not remove uh, God was speaking here in the context of the coming judgment that he brought through the Babylonians uh, it was just prior to Israel going into the Babylonian captivity, but God is still pleading. He says, if ye will uh, turn and put away your abominations out of my sight, he said, then she, you will not go down into Babylon. Uh, he said, and thou shalt swear the Lord liveth in truth and in judgment and in righteousness, and the nation shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up the fallow ground, and sow not among the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to
to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your heart, ye men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like a fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. The call here is to break up the fallow ground. How many of you here, I know I'm in a rural setting, uh, country people, how many of you have gardens? How many of you know Tillam? How many of you just go out and drop a few seeds in? We need the personal preparations of the heart. He's saying, break up the fallow ground. Fallowed ground is ground that was left lay idle. And I don't know what happens in Union County and Snyder County if you let land lay idle. But if you come down to the outskirts of Mannheim and the poor hills of the shale there and you let it lay idle, in a couple years you'll have briars that you can't walk through. That's what happens. And that's the way hearts get that are not looked after and tended to. God says, break up that fallow ground. So not among the thorns. He says, circumcise your, your uh, take away the foreskin of your heart, you men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Be open and receptive to the word of the Lord. You know, God gives us a lot of good messages. Messages of blessing that we, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. But you know, every once in a while, we stumble on things in God's word that touch a part of our heart that God wants us to change. And then's when we tend to draw it tight and say, well, maybe later. I don't know that it's that bad after all. I mean, after all, they do it. Uh, we, we begin to, and that's a heart. A heart, you know, it's maybe not the issue so much as the state of mind and heart to be willing to allow the Lord to reign. You know, when the Lord speaks, we say yes. Yes, Lord, I want your way in my life. I'm willing to give this up. Uh, you know, I, again, this evening, we, God gives us a responsibility of keeping our heart and to make choices that are right in the light of eternity. You know, God, again, that's one thing he does not take. Um, you know, we look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. It says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There's a lot of sin in our world today. And a lot of it's put out in a very deceitful way that uh, we live in a generation where men call evil good and good evil. It's all around us. God says we're to not be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Break up the fallow ground so not among the thorns. Take away the foreskins of your heart. Allow God to have the preeminence. We could look at the 
uh, the uh, gospel in the gospels three of the gospels have the account of the sower that went out to sow but the parable really centers on the condition of the heart what kind of soil is in your heart the shallow soil the wayside soil the thorny soil the good soil God is looking for good soil that is broke up the stones are removed and the, th uh, the stones and the thorns are taken out so he can have the preeminence that's what God is looking for from us not only as we approach a week of revivals but I believe that's a heart of God towards us at all times a heart that is ready to say yes you know, as we think of the message this evening may we consider who God is the holy the righteous God may we consider who we are created in the image of God as human beings as mankind but more specifically as an individual God created you he loves you he cares about you and he wants us to give our lives completely to him. Break up the, 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 the stony ground, the thorny ground, and allow God to have his way in our hearts. I'm just going to ask our chorister to sing a verse or two of Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And if, you know, I know this is somewhat general this evening. But you know, sometimes there's preachers give a kind of a general message, um, and yet it touches my heart. And I just want to give you opportunity. If there's areas of stones and thorns, do you know that might be hindering? You want to take care of that tonight? I want to give you that opportunity. Let's sing a verse or two of Have Thine Own Way. 